What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid up, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This goes on, on my uncle King Tonga. I mean, there was oh, just, King Tonga was yeah, your uncle. Remember him? Yeah. yeah, I do remember him. Yeah, and, uh, and arguably one of the toughest men, uh, but also one of the most kind, gentle guys. This is a heartwarming story. So he's eating, and a fan was drunk and unruly. And you're not that tough. And finally, uh, the guy pushed my uncle. My uncle gets up. He grabs him by the head, and he bites his nose off. Okay, puts <laughs> so, it on the ground. The guy goes crazy, his wife starts freaking out. They call the cops. The cops come back. Are you uh, Tonga Fafita? And, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, did you uh, get an altercation? Yes, I did, yes. Um, and this is, I believe his nose, I think he's at the hospital. Oh, yes, his nose, it's right over there. <laughs> and uh, Haku and I were in, in the bar, and this, some marks started messing with us, and he grabbed the guy by his head, bit his nose off, and spit it in his face. Uh, he got in a few scuffles in different places, one particularly down at the Holiday Inn in Baltimore, Maryland, where uh, the, the, the bar was kind of destroyed and the police came and then uh, they, they whacked him up pretty good and pepper sprayed him. So yeah, uh, for some reason, Ming and, and bars and liquor just didn't go together. And, you heard the stories about him with the, what was that, St. Louis, with the cops out there. Seven cops, he put them all down, man. Put them all down, you know? I mean, but Haku was uh, probably well-known as one of the tougher guys in our business. And uh, he was uh, a jerk magnet. He'd walk into a bar and every guy would come up and mess with Haku. But uh, 
it ended up he bit a tip of a guy's nose off in, in, a, in a fight that the guy started, but the guy shooting him and, and really hurt that thing bad. going right here right now this is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today empowered by the wwe network head on over to wwenetwork.com slash tmpt to start your one month free trial of the wwe network and now it will include mid-atlantic championship wrestling as you can watch hall of famers rick flair ricky steamboat roddy piper and more Take the Carolinas by storm with more than 50 new hours of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And that is all over at wwenetwork.com slash TMPT. So you can start that one-month free trial. And honestly, what are you waiting for at this point? But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And for 350 episodes, we have brought to you the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, and what a 350 episodes it has been. So we thought what we'd do is we'd kind of take the world by storm yet again and bring on a guy who we could probably line up every single one of the listeners who's ever put on a pair of headphones and listen to this show, and he could probably take them out one by one as we welcome in the one and only Haku, also known as Meng, also known as King Tonga. We call him Meng on this program, but I'm going to call him Haku here in the intro because I remember him as as Haku and I first saw him it was as Haku and where where do we start with him my god the stories of Haku are legendary uh the brawls the myth the legend all of the things that we've all heard for so many years from countless wrestlers countless wrestling pundits throwing their two cents in about Haku and the things that he's done outside the ring but when you step inside the ring Haku was one of the most realistic wrestling personalities that you could possibly find with those stiff kicks, those chops, those thrusts, everything that he did, including that vicious, vicious Tongan death grip. And it makes him the absolutely perfect guest for 350 of Two Man Power Trips, 350 episodes. It's so awesome to welcome him in. But you're going to hear a little bit of a tie-in to an independent promotion called PCW Ultra. We promoted their shows in the past, and we promoted this show for them that Haku was featured on, and we released the interview clips on YouTube as one full block. So you're going to hear on the first half and the ending the little bit of a tie-in for the PCW Ultra card that took place in early June. But I left it all in, and it's all uncut because I want you to hear what Haku has to say about mentoring young talent and how he kind of shares his knowledge of so many years in the wrestling business, and it really sets the pace for this interview, which, folks, if you looked at the duration, we get Haku for almost a full hour, and whether you want to think maybe there's a language barrier or not, he is not holding back a thing. He goes straight at it. Every question had a nice, long, just detailed answer, and that kind of threw me for a loop, but it was so awesome to have Haku on this program, 
And John, I'm going to welcome you in here now. As we look back on these 350 episodes, every time we hit a milestone, we really go out of our way to try to have like that perfect guy who can either you know check off a WWF, WWE legend, or he was a giant name in the business, or he's just rare from the interview perspective. And I think Haku really fills in every single one of those boxes. But as we get to really roll this out, we've been sitting on it for a few weeks. I've been dying to get it published, but... What are some of your thoughts on this great episode with Haku? Just unbelievable to do 350 episodes and been able to get the quality of guests that we've been able to get. And Haku being episode number 350, like you said, he checks all the boxes. I just love getting the rare guys. I love getting the WWF legends and I love getting the big names. So, I mean, hitting, uh, basically hit a home run right there with all three of those, you know, and, and I just love the fact that we got him on and got him on at this perfect time because right now with him obviously not that long ago was in new japan with the bullet club with all his with all his kids and wrestling there and then you know you always see him all over the indie scene just you know you just see him popping up all over the place and like a pcw ultra and i just see him popping up uh, he's going to be doing a show coming up pretty soon in new york city i mean so he's just kind of just all over the place and i kind of like how he's had a little bit of a resurgence lately and of course when you have that much of a reputation and what i mean is as being a tough guy a, a brawler a killer a murderer you know the the great reputation that haku has especially in the ring and then you hear all these great stories out of the ring it's just one of those great things i feel like nowadays you know like the the quote-unquote the hipster fans and these newer fans that aren't that familiar with the business are starting to really love these stories of Haku and really start to fall in love with him. Not that it's a bad thing. They don't really have anything about the business or they're, they're first getting into the business. I think that's great. But the fact that they're just starting to learn about the legend of Haku is both good and bad because I feel like you should always know about the legend of Haku. But it is cool they're kind of finding out about it now. And they're hearing all these stories about him beating up cops and, and the cops not being able to arrest him at a bar or being being um you know taking out a few guys at once in a bar fight or taking out somebody's eye in a bar fight so these are all these kind of cool stories you hear these urban legend these myths haku has almost become the chuck norris of professional wrestling you know the little stories you always hear about chuck norris and all the funny little tidbits haku is kind of getting his name thrown in there and you always hear the stuff about oh haku did this haku did that he's such a badass this badass that well, when you actually get to interview him and get to bring this up to him, I thought this was one of my favorite parts of the interview. It's because he was so humble about it and almost laughed it off and said it didn't happen or, or oh, no, it's exaggerated. Or, oh, I don't want to talk about it. He was so humble about it. It's kind of surprising. And then we say, oh, you're the toughest wrestler of all time. And then he starts mentioning guys like the Steiner Brothers and Barbarian and stuff like that, saying, no, no, those are the tough guys. I'm just me and I'm, you know, I'm to myself and, you know, this and that. So it's funny to get that kind of perspective out of it and hear the humble side of Haku because I really do think he was being humble. I really do think he didn't want to go too much into the myth and all the different stories. But there's just too many stories out there from a guy like Tonga Kid, who you will be hearing on an upcoming episode of Two Man Power Trip, uh, Brutus Beefcake, Greg Valentine. You'll hear Ric Flair telling some stories. I mean, you hear all these great stories about Haku, and there's just too many of them out there for it just to be urban legend and not be true. So I think he's just being super humble. I know, obviously, you know, he's got kids now. I don't think he wants his kids thinking that he was, a, you know, some guy terrorizing and just being crazy and doing all these crazy things. You know, what kind of father figure, what kind of uh, role model would that be? But 
put it into all in perspective, he's definitely a huge, huge legend. And I love that the myth of Haku is there and living. And I really, really, truly believe that he's one of the toughest guys and one of the biggest badasses ever in the history of the business. That's a great point you bring up because you see all these little YouTube gimmick uh, things that they do, these top 10 lists and all the, you know, nine wrestling personalities that, you know, put a guy in a hospital or this, that. You see these corny channels that are discovering Haku and they're, I guess, spreading the word through their own channels, their own means, which is cool. Like you said, it's good that it's getting out to other people, but it's like, if you watch wrestling, you got to start with the history and you heard off the top in this episode, you know, there's three or four different variations of the same story of Haku biting somebody's nose off. I mean, like, that's something that if you're just getting into the business, you got to start at the, at the baby steps there. You got to learn the history before you make yourself uh, comfortable watching uh, some of the newer stuff, especially when you see his sons taking uh, New Japan by storm like they have been. And we, if you go way back in our archives, uh, we interviewed both of his sons back in 2015, uh, almost a week apart. And uh, at the time, we were told it was Tamatanga, his, uh, his son, who it was his first interview in the Amer- in america john is that correct it was his first interview that he had done in the states whether they were you know kayfabe us or not uh just the fact that we were able to have that it was really cool and we tied it in all these years later you know back into this episode with haku and uh you know whether uh haku wants to believe it or not just to talk to him was uh you know was a joy but uh as long as he's on our side then uh, i'm a happy camper hmm. you're right on that i mean whew. You imagine just thinking about it. Imagine having him on your bad side, I mean, or on his bad side. Oof. Not a place you want to be. He's legitimately one of the toughest guys ever in the history of the business. There are so many guys that we've talked to, worked with, interviewed, uh, talked with off air about Haku and, and different stories about him. He also said the same thing. Just unbelievably tough. Don't mess with him. Don't get you know. Don't get on his bad side. Don't rub him the wrong way. So he's just one of those guys. Like I said, you know, before, a mythical character, if you will. But that myth came to life. He's just a true, true badass. Whether he's beating you up with his hands or his feet or even that, you know, that tongue and death grip or biting your nose off, there's a lot of different uh, aspects he can definitely kick your ass with. I just love that we had Haku on. I love him for the duration of time that we had him on. You don't really think of him as much of a talker. We had him on for about an hour. It was just a great combo. He was great talker a lot of great stories too and a lot of great advice to a lot of the youngsters and i love that he's able to give back and have that reputation of being just that kind of guy where you can kind of pick his brain and learn a lot from him some guys you know some older guys the veterans of the business maybe uh maybe intimidated by you might be intimidated by him but it just goes to show you he could definitely teach this new generation a lot and obviously he did that with tamatanga and Tangaloa, there's two sons there. And obviously, he's got a third son, Leo Tonga, who's coming on in New Japan now, who's actually bigger than them all. So it's going to be interesting to see the, the next legacy, if you will, of the Haku tribe. So that is pretty cool. But before I kind of turn it over to you, Chad, we, of course, got to do my WWE Network recommendation. WWEnetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month. My recommendation is, of course, it's got to be Haku, but... It, Something I just found just randomly, and I just liked watching. It was interesting. Was when Haku, former WWF Tag Team Champion with Andre the Giant, but when they formed the Colossal Connection, Andre was kind of winding down. He physically was just 
you know, beat up at this point. He was very close to retirement, very close to the end. There's some great matches out there with those two, and Haku kind of carries the team, and Andre does a little bit of work, but there's a match. If you check in WWE Network, go to the search bar, just type in Colossal Connection, you'll see 32590. It's the Rockers against the Colossal Connection, and Haku basically does the brunt of the work in the match. And it's one of those things you can really see how good of a worker he really was when he's in there with Gennetti, and he's in there with Michaels, two guys that are supreme workers in their own right. So that is WWE Network. Go to the search bar, go to Colossal Connection, Check out 325-1990. It should be part of the actually Andre the Giant collection, if you will, on the network. And you'll see the Colossal Connection, Haku and Andre the Giant versus Michaels and Gennady of the Rockers. That is at WWNetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month. And there's so many great Haku matches to choose from. And whether it is that match against the Rockers or what is considered to be one of the better openers in the history of WrestleMania, I know we could talk about uh, Brett versus Owen from WrestleMania 10 till the cows come home, but you can't look past the Rockers versus Haku and the Barbarian from WrestleMania 7, which is, I'm telling you, for that point in time, 1991, that was like a thrilling, thrilling match. So if you want to watch something old school, you can go back and check that out. You can see all the great mayhem that Haku caused as Meng in the late 90s in WCW, but don't look past the Islanders. And like John said a little bit earlier, we have the other member of the Islanders, the Tonga Kid, a.k.a. Tama, coming in just a short while here to the two-man power trip in uh, what is going to be a very emotionally charged interview. But to stay in-house with Haku and the two-man power trip, if you really want to think about it, our second highest-viewed YouTube clip for our YouTube channel is when we first started the Triple Threat Podcast with Shane Douglas. It was, I think, on the second show that we did. Over 55,000 views on YouTube. It's Shane Douglas on Haku, the myth, the truth, and watching the mayhem. And it's where he gets to tell you, look, I worked Haku. We had these great matches. Okay, yeah, Haku's a great guy. He's a lovely guy. But all the stories are true, and this is what I saw. And it was awesome in our first couple of shows with the triple threat that we got that out there. But to see these numbers still climbing all the time, people want to talk about Haku. And obviously, with wanting to see him wrestle, you're going to see him coming up here. He's got a couple great shots uh, in the near future. And all the best to Haku, and thank you so much to PCW Ultra for helping set this up in early June. It was a, an absolute uh, you know, pleasure on our side to interview Haku, but also promote another one of your great events. And obviously there will be more of those in the future. So the best of thanks to uh, PCW Ultra for that. And John threw out there for the WWE Network subscription. Please take advantage of that. It's, uh, you know, it's not going to cost you much. You get that free month and then you know what it is. It's $9.99 afterwards. And adding 50 hours of Mid-Atlantic TV. I mean, you've heard the guests on this show for 350 episodes. The whole cast is basically in Mid-Atlantic. So check that out. If you haven't watched Mid-Atlantic before, discover it and love it because it's fantastic. And that's really all I can say about that. It's absolutely out of this world. But again, for 350 episodes, thank you very much for every download, every view, every share, every tweet, every review, everything that we've ever had in terms of support. We appreciate it. And as you see with the guest list every week, we try our asses off to put out the best product, the best show possible, and we will continue to do so until, uh, I don't know, until it's done. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. So... With all that being said, John, let's do this. Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get it on over to the Tongan death grip master, Haku. 
Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, he is a former WCW Hardcore Champion. He is a former WWF World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as the face of terror or the face of fear. He was known as King Tonga or Ming, but we now know him as Haku. Enjoy. Now, and joining us on the line tonight is a man formerly known as King Tonga and Haku. He is a former WWF World Tag Team Champion, a former WCW Hardcore Champion, the face of terror, the face of fear, the one and only Meng joins us tonight on the two-man power trip of wrestling. Meng, thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure to welcome you in, but not only to talk to you, but also to talk about... PCW Ultra's Opposites Attack on Friday, June 8th. The toughest and the most feared man in the history of professional wrestling comes to PCW. Meng, how do you feel about heading out to California and joining the folks of PCW Ultra on Friday, June 8th? Well, it's, I'm, I'm very happy and I can't wait to... I mean, very excited because, you know, he's the man that uh, running PCW Ultra show that, you know, I had no idea he disappeared from the world here from Florida. And all of a sudden, you know, he called me on the phone and I talked to him and I said, you know, 
out of nowhere, Joe, what's going on here? He said, well, I'm in California and I'm in L.A. now. So I said, what's going on? He said, you know, I would like for you to come over and see what's going on here. You know, and I'm, I mean, I'm glad that he's doing very well, you know, with PCW Ultra over there in Los Angeles. They're doing an amazing job, and we've been uh, very lucky to help them promote a lot of shows over the last year or so. And, and to see the lineup that they have and all the matches that they've got going on, it, it's an unbelievable array of talent that they have coming in. But to add somebody like you into the fray, I mean, obviously, so respected throughout the world of professional wrestling. I mean, we, we all know the stories. We'll get to uh, some of that maybe in a few minutes here. But you, are, you, have, you carry such weight in the business as, as somebody who is legit and somebody who's just an absolute, you know, just complete, real deal. And I think that's something that's missing in wrestling today. But I, I got to say, when you get to a show like this at PCW Ultra, what's something that the young guys come up and ask you? Do they, do they talk about the myths of Haku, or do they want to pick your brain and find out some of the things that have gone on in your career? Well, um, so far, nobody, you know, talk about, you know, the young guys. But, you know, for myself... I, you know, wherever I'm at, I would like to leave something for them, you know what I'm saying, in, in their way of, uh, for the business and for the young generation, you know, maybe something that uh, they can, you know, like uh, I believe on passing the ball, you know, to the next generation from us. And, you know, and that's how I look at the, at the business, you know, soon that I... Won't be around, you know. I'm in in the business. You know, I can't wrestle anymore, or whatever it, it will happen. But you know, I like to for the young generation to to take something, you know, for my work or whatever I do in the ring. You know, as I, you know, will be there. But they never, you know, I I don't know what it is. If it's respect, or you know, we just don't have time. You know, to talk because, you know, everybody is uh, talking about their match and, you know, what's going on and, you know, what is going to happen. So I believe that's what it is. You know, we just don't have the time to sit down. Like I always think, you know, with the old timers, you know, it would be nice to sit down and, you know, have a beer and smoke a cigar and reminisce the old days, you know. Probably that's something that, you know, it would be nice. You know, and the young generation would be nice to have time, you know, to sit around and I guess I would be here and talk about <laughs> the business, how it was and how it is today. They know better than we do, I believe, especially, you know, with the, uh, the way the technology is going on today. Yeah, and I'll tell you something. I mean, I can sit here and reminisce with you about the old days till the cows come home because I remember watching you for the first time and I started watching around 1987 so the Islanders were just getting started, but I remember watching some of the old tapes and getting to see you slam Big John Stud and see you as King Tonga and see you as a young guy coming up in the business. And at that point in 1985, 1986, when you got to the WWF, completely different game for the uh, the young guys coming in now. Are you surprised with how much the guys know actually when they're coming into the business versus when maybe you got into it? Yes. And I admire them very much because to me, I feel like they are fans of wrestling. They watch wrestling. 
and those who come in, I, you know, I could be wrong. I feel like, you know, every move in, in, in the business, you know, in wrestling. Nowadays was we were looking for a job, you know, to take care of the family, you know, and, and take care of the things that needed to take care of. That's the difference. It was just a job. Nowadays, you know, of course, how popular it is, and, you know, uh, the new generation, you know, they, they see the differences, you know, the Japanese style, the American style, the European style. So, you know, they, the uh, Mexican style, and they all mix that together. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, when I'm in Mexico, just stand there at the corner and watch all these, you know, guys are flying around and, and stuff like that. And of course, Japan is, you know, putting together and they mix everything. Yeah, so, yes, there, there was a difference. Today, you know, their fans and, you know, making all, you know, they're coming in to make the money. All days were we coming in to make the money to take care of the family. It was just a job. You know, it wasn't something that, you know, you had to be on diet for it or look good and all this stuff. Of course, you know, the TV nowadays is much, you know, important than nowadays, I guess. Or it was important also, but, you know, we were just, you know, I believe, you know, as a job. We were looking for a job to take care of the family. Yeah, and, and, you know, even though I saw you when you got to the WWF, I mean, before you got there, I mean, you wrestled in Japan, you wrestled in Montreal, you wrestled in Puerto Rico, and you had so much under your belt before you got to New York and before you got to the WWF. So I guess my, my, my next question would really be, when you got to New York and you already had all that experience under your belt, was New York kind of a, a surprise for you to see the, uh, you know, a little bit more of the 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 giant characters, the uh, the cartoony characters coming to life versus you know, maybe some more of those serious promotions that you were in, especially in Japan and also uh, up there in Canada? Yeah, New York was different. You know, it was always supposed to be the big guys, you know, for New York. You know, as you see, you know, with uh, all Bruno uh, San Martino and them, you know, and you talk about the... Uh, 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 all the guys that were, you know, those days, Kitamaivi, Rocky Chance, and, you know, all those guys were, you know, they were big guys. Tenga, you know, all those, that, you know, you always feel like, you know, they'll be the dream to be in. It's like, you know, at the time the business was growing, and, you know, you kind of, where I'm going to be at, you know, they shove you around. And the way they work the bookers and, you know, for those days, you know. We went in there in 85, you know, coming from Montreal with, you know, Bravo and, and the Rousseau's. And, um, you know, we were just there, you know, it's, and, you know, how those, when Vince McMahon was going in, you know, to the, what we call territories then, you know, of course, like, you know, here in 
Florida was Tampa and, you know, and he was taking over. So, you know, he was giving them the chance to, you know, I guess to buy the territory or he's going to take over if he like it or not. So, but when uh, Tina and them sold to him, it was, he wanted, um, uh, McMahon wanted uh, me, Gino uh, Bravo, and the Rousseau from Montreal. So he brought us in in 95, around, I believe, in October of 95. So that was, and like I said earlier, we were there, and of course, the Rousseau attacked him, and you know, with the, you know, Cinco and with me, they weren't sure what to do with me. So I had multiple uh, partner, tag team partners, you know, before uh, I settled down there with Tonga uh, uh, Kid as the Islanders. Felt like that was a, a great pairing with the Islanders. And obviously, you throw when you guys turn heel, you turn, you, know, you throw Bobby the Brain Heenan in, in there, and, and obviously a part of the Heenan family. Was that easy to be teaming with Tonga Kid and, and the chemistry with him? Because you guys were a great under the radar tag team. Yes, uh, you know Tonga Kid already have the um, uh, experience, of course, with WWF. You know, with uh, Jimmy Snuka and, you know, Pipers and all of them, you know, way before he came back, you know, with me as a team. And, you know, hell of a talent, you know, there was, uh, so, you know, basically, I was just following his footsteps and trying to keep up with him. <laughs> as, as, uh, but, you know, I was uh, very good as a team. You know, I was the power and he was the... Uh, High spots and all that, the high fly, you know, the kid is unbelievable. The energy he had and still have today, you know, you still, he sees you from the other corner of the uh, building, you, you know, you know that he's in, in the building. You know, that's the energy that I love about him and he still have it. And, you know, it was good. It was a, a, a good team, you know. Islanders. Such a you know, great team. And family. Yeah, it's all been a spot there with all, you know, with the, um, the British, you know, with Dynamite uh, and Day. That was very. Yeah, great feud with the, the British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid, and Davey Boy Smith. I think so many people will remember WrestleMania four and the six man tag versus the Bulldogs and Coco Beware and you and, and obviously Tonka Kid, Tama and Bobby the Brain end up winning that match and everyone kinda yeah. hated, you know, you guys. But you have fond memories of, you know, working WrestleMania and being with Bobby Heenan and that big moment for you guys getting a big win? Any memories, you said? Yes. With, with that, with that match or mm-hmm. match? Well, with Bobby the Brain and, and and working with him. Yeah, Bobby was always. Um, I love about him because those days we travel, you know, 
three months without having a day off and all this stuff. And it was positive, you know, about trying to get us laughed, trying to get us, you know, going, you know, come on, come on, you know, and you'll tell a joke and, you know, we all laugh, you know, getting ready, you know, to go to the drink. There was, you know, Bobby there. And Bobby was always, you know, that comedian that lift you up, you know, in the trip, you know. I met him in Japan, it was the same thing, you know, the first time. And yes, Bobby was always, uh, you know, was a great, you know, manager in that way of, uh, you know, of uh, having fun with him. And, you know, and always, you know, remember the uh, WrestleMania uh, 6 also, you know, our last time together there with, you know, with the Giant, you know, I, I really felt like that we all, there was heat for us, and, you know, and I always um, remember and, and, and have that in, you know, in my mind, and it, uh, three of us, you know, before we walk into WrestleMania 6, it was something that we all look at each other like, oh my God, you know, is this it? We won't be seeing each other again, and something like that, but of course, you know, we did. It's just, we all know that they're going to separate us, you know, in their lives. So, Bobby, yes. Yes, him, you know. I hope he's rest in peace. And, you know, there's those other things that then uh, you look around and, you know, start looking at, you know, a lot of guys uh, passing away. And I guess that's how life is. But, uh, you know, Mr. Big Man, the Giant, and, and Bobby, that way, you know, the British big dog. Uh, I wish I could see Dynamite, you know. Um, but who knows? I hope hey. you know, I'll get to see him before anything happens. Absolutely. So many great legendary guys passed away. You mentioned Bob's brain, obviously, and obviously Andre the Giant, who you were a part of the Colossal Connection with. And WrestleMania 6 was so memorable. The last time, basically, you guys teamed together. One of his last matches, really. And I remember Demolition got a gigantic right. pop when they beat you. It was just crazy you have you know a lot of good memories of andre because you know you see the hbo special then you see all the, the stories come out about him do you have you know a lot of good memories from teaming and riding the road with andre the giant yes you know I, you know it was uh with him whatever he was thinking of you know I, it was an honor for me to be his team mate you know and I always remember, you know, me just being from Japan and being from Tonga, you know, you, you always try to respect. I live with it. I live with respect, you know, bringing from sumo, the samurai style and everything. And I, I remember asking him, you know, when we, you know, won the belts, you know, and I said, boss, you know, he got everybody boss, so you call him back, you know, boss. And, um, you know, just being respect, you know, you, you give me the belt, I'll, I'll carry it for both of us. He said to me, boss, no. You carry yours, I'll carry mine. Okay? You know, and, you know, to me, that was something, you know, wow. You know, because, you know, 
job in his way, you know. They always give the young guys to take care of you. And that's what I thought, you know. It's my honor to get it both dogs, you know, especially for him, you know. But he always get, uh, get, uh, carry his dog, you know, with him. And, you know, the other thing was, we were sitting there somewhere in Seattle, one of our mates, and he waited for his daughter, and his daughter didn't show up. And, you know, he's turning around and looking at me and he said, um, I'm very sad. You know, I look at him like, what? He's out of nowhere. And he what's going on? You know, I thought he was choking. But, you know, he was uh, kind of serious about it. But, you know, his daughter's not coming to see him. And uh, I said, maybe, you know, tomorrow so that, you know, she'll come over. He said, no. The mother told him, told her not to come and see me. So, you know, I just keep quiet, you know. And but there was, you know, I always remember that uh, of him. And, of course, after the match, you know, we go out and have something to eat and drink and drink. And, you know, when I get enough, I get up to leave and, you know, it's, laughing because I can't find the door. Hey, boss, you need to know. I said, no, I'm good. In the same time, you know, because he was thinking, he was thinking that he was bigger than you. He always thinks you're the same size, especially with me. The way we eat and the way we drink, I had to drink Every beer that he's in, <laughs> you know. But it gets to the point that you know, after six beers, you're drunk, he's still going, you know. <laughs> but that was the, the fun part of, of him and the memory of him. You know, he was uh, you know, so nice and so good all the time, you know. <laughs> and, you know. And if Tim White show up, you know, Tim White will you know, where to take him, you know, before Joey, he wants to take me over, you know, their favorite place, their favorite restaurant, you know, that they, it was, he was very, like, you know, enjoyable, kind <laughs> like that. Is. So, so the legendary stories of him drinking so much, those are all true. He really can drink, you know, 100 beers in one sitting. I believe so, because uh, I'll tell you, the first time that he, I ever drove him from uh, here in Florida, it was, um, the, it was um, the Holy Race came in, and he was the giant of the So... Jumped in, flew in, and the giant flew in, of course, commercial, but you know, the little plane that he was, anyways, uh, 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 was on, was one of the promoters there. So after the match, to make sure, you know, he told uh, the giant, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. Since you can't get there tonight, so we can have a few beers. He said, What? Because of the giant, you know, what boats? 
He said, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. So he said, I'll see you tonight. So I know that uh, Mike Graham had a, a bar at the time here in Dale Maple in, in Tampa. So of course, I'm the driver. And Rocky Johnson was sleeping at the back. He stopped the first, was two cases of beer. Um, Miller uh, is what he was drinking that night. So there was two cases of beer. And he, after we got it, he said to me, Boss, no red light. Keep going. Now we're going to try to get to, uh, to Canberra. So you'll see uh, Holly race at the bar. That's what we were chasing. So we drank the, the what, 38 beers? Oh my God. Race, right? Two cases. Yep. And then we stopped <laughs> for another case of beer. But you know, it was scary because I was trying, not drinking, but you know, there was the red light would just keep going. The place is that no red light. And we would just. Nobody could stop us uh, lucky in that way. But, you know, we got in to, uh, to there was three cases of beer that so we drank on our way back to Tampa. And we got to Tampa. The thing was still open. I think we were doing 110, 120 miles an hour to, you know, to get to uh, Tampa. So, Holly Rose was surprised to see us. So I didn't know that they were. If he sees that, you know, he'll buy him a tequila. So I guess watching them play pool and drink three bottles of te tequila, uh, I guess uh, it tells you that he can drink that much of a beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, besides, besides the beer on the side, you know, chasing those three bottles of tequila. So, yeah, now, the the and now I was going to say the, the only thing as legendary as his drinking stories are the stories about your toughness and you always hear so many wrestlers whether you know it's an old interview with Road Warrior Hawk or even Road Warrior Animal talking about it or the Steiner brothers or, or all these other legit tough guys that say that they're basically they're afraid of you Hey, are these stories legit true that you're, you know, the toughest guy ever in the history of the business? Jeez, I'm a, I was afraid of them and I'm still afraid of them. <laughs> yeah, the I was, yeah, I was trying to get there, you know, of course, uh, you know, with them and all they, no, 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 they're the toughest guys that I was. I moved on the on the field there, and you know, geez, I was just a farewell country boy that come into the business, try to feed my family back home. So whatever was in my way, <laughs> uh, you know, things happen. You know, so uh, you know, with the Japanese what that land and everything, somewhere way of you know, it was from my heart, from my soul, that, um, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm not the toughest. I was just, I guess, uh, a gentleman. 
Doing my job and uh, what I had to do. Uh, but those guys were tough, man. Yeah, just to work with them, just to, you know, they don't know how tough they are. Dude. So, but yeah, it's very nice of them to going into those guys. <laughs> but uh, now, you know, things happen. You know, you, the old days, we were told that, uh, you all know that, you know, with the wrestling, it was K Fabian that we, you know, protect our business inside and outside the, uh, the 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 ring. So you know, that was what it was all you know for me is you know protecting you know the business you know uh, with the respect. You know, things happen just because you know. I believe I was disrespect, but you know, in my life, there's my business, there's wrestling, love wrestling, and that's all I had, you know, in, in me was protecting my business. And you know, everybody it away, you know, I guess now it's entertainment. <laughs> so, uh, I'll go with it. I'll go with it much easier that way, and thank goodness they finally they did it that way. So, yeah, well, it's, um, well it, you have become almost like a, a mythological creature in wrestling. It's it's one of those things. It's like, oh, did you hear this Ming story? You know, he's using the tongue and death grip in a bar, beating somebody up, ripping somebody's eyeballs out. Uh, you know, breaking chairs over people's head, fighting people one on six and, and beating them up. Are any of these stories <laughs> true or is it almost like a myth that people have created about, you know, the great Haku, the great Ming? I'll tell you, some of them are true and some of them are make up. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I guess, you know, with the, you know, the, the shoes, you know, with the eyeballs, with the, you know, beating up people in the bar, with, you know, it's, it's hard to tell which, you know, which one was which. And it's just that, um, you know, again, it's just protecting the business and, you know, showing them that, um, you know, what this business is all about. So, you know, that was, um, you know, uh, most of them, you know, it's true. But, you know, it's not, the, uh, you know, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you guys, you know, it's, it's my heart protecting the business. People, I guess, you know, the wrong timing, they have a few beers and they turn on, you know, calling the business is fake and all this stuff. And sometimes, I guess, it's jealousy that you walk into a bar and, Girls saw you on TV and they start talking, you know, to you instead of talking to those local boys or whatever, you know. But, you know, those are the things happening, you know. They don't blame them, but, you know, they got it. It's so open that mouth a long time. So, well, you know, those are the things that happen. I just love those yeah. stories. And I love that when you were King Haku in the WWF, you know, around 89 or so. I love that you and Harley Race had a feud. It was almost like 
the two toughest guys were actually, you know, wrestling in, in the ring and, you know, keep killing each other in some great matches there. Oh, thank you. I heard you telling a good story about Andy Rose. Holy, you know, you guys have to probably, you know, in Japan, it's different for us to treat how we treat the old days, the foreigners. Especially, you know, you're talking about the Holly uh, Race as a champion, you know, Rick uh, Flair as a champion. You know, these guys are coming in as, you know, they're like king of, you know, that they are of the ring. And, you know, Freezer Brody, all of them, you know, all the respect, you know, um, Putza, you know, all these guys, you know, the Sheik, you know, the original Sheik, you know, the respect and everything, you know, for the people there. Until they show up in the ring and, you know, uh, run around and the fans, of course, you know, they scared to death, you know, trying to. But what happened, you know, now that they are getting ready to send me over to, to America to get my experience and everything so I can come back, you know, to Japan. And so, um, Hollyways came in a few times, so they had. They put me with Hollyway to carry his bag, you know, his wife's bags and all this stuff, you know, the young boy. In the same time, what Baba, the giant Baba wants me to do, to learn how to speak English from Hollyway. <laughs> and, you know, you guys know Hollyway, he doesn't talk too much. <laughs> you know, and especially in Japan. And especially in Japan, he doesn't speak Japanese or try to, you know, except maybe he's matched with Baba or whatever. So here I am trying to, you know, ask him, you know, of course, my English to those days, you know, bags, uh, bags ready. <laughs> he, he just, you know, shake his head, yes, you know, with a cigarette smoking. You know, he, you guys know how he smoked that cigarette, you know, he loved that cigarette. You know, and he just shook his head, okay, so I take his bag over there. <laughs> so, you know, Baba, you know, always, you know, he's thinking that I learned how to speak English, that I <laughs> So at the end, I said to Baba, Baba said to me, so have you learned any English from champion? I said, in Japanese to Baba, <laughs> no, he doesn't talk much. He smoke a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, I told him that the story, you know, he invited me to school and I told the student, you know, what was there. And I'm sorry for my English because it was there, you know, it was the Hollywood's fault that I don't speak good English. <laughs> but there was Hollywood's the old days. And the, the thing is, he was sitting, standing there and look at, he had one bag and his carry-on. And his wife had six bags. <laughs> and they're coming in for one week. <laughs> so he always shook his head when his wife putting the, the bags out of the hotel, you know, to carry on our tag and uh, put in the, in the bus there for wherever we travel to. About this. Sorry about my English, guys. It was always fault. <laughs> 
You know, you guys, when you did get to have your little feud there in the WWF, you got to feud over being the king. And obviously, as King Haku, you had quite the uh, quite the reign of terror there uh, for a little while. So now, did you find it to be quite an honor to be the king of professional wrestling? Yes, of course. Uh, it was an honor for me, you know, to, to be a king. And of course, from Hollywood, I'm glad to be Henry Dolph <laughs> to be but uh, you know, for me, uh, I, I never forget that. You know, and I always feel like, you know, uh, I think he gave it up for me um, for my hard working, you know, <laughs> taking care of him. You know, but that's you know, just being a young boy. Yes, of course, you know, and you know, and I'm sure the Japanese too. Uh, you know, the company uh, Baba and New Japan were honored that you know that he did that. Uh, you know. To me here in America, so yes, never forget it, and you know, and um, always grateful. And I mean, and it was at a time too where Harley Race was uh, pretty much nearing the end of his career, and he had was fighting some pretty bad injuries. So the fact he was able to hang on and pass the torch to you really speaks to how much he did respect you and the relationship that you guys had. So that's always something kind of cool to look back and uh, and see the connection you had to him early in your career. And then to see him pass the torch to you later on, that's, uh, that's got to be quite the old feather in the cap there. Yes, very, very true. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, those are the things that, uh, you know, that I wish that we can pass on to the next generation. You know, the respect and uh, passing the lightweight, the torch to the end generation with respect and, you know, understanding you know, how hard these people before us, working hard before us to bring to me, and uh, they work hard for me to give it to them, you know, to pass the torch to the next generation. You know, those are the things that, you know, I hope they, they'll never forget. You know, no matter who it is or what it is, you know, it, it's the respect of, you know, because their turn will come, and I hope they'll do the you know, a good job, you know, passing it to the next generation for them, you know. But, you know, you got to see the, the next generation, uh, which is now the past generation, but the, the late 90s generation that you saw in WCW. I mean, you saw guys like Chris Jericho coming through and then ascending to becoming a huge star. You got to see a lot of these cruiserweights like Rey Mysterio getting the opportunity to come in and do the things that he did in Mexico, but now in the United States. So you got to see the, uh, the old guard, and then you got to be a part of the old guard and see the new guys coming in, but now those guys are looked at as legends. Now, when you were in WCW, did those guys seek you out as well and try to pick your brain? Because that group that you were around in WCW and you had a, quite a run there, they also went on to be a lot. So that WCW time, I got to say, looking back, is that another one of those huge highlights for you to be around those next crop of stars that were in WCW? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're really right there, especially, you know, with those guys, not just... Uh, Syria, but also those guys from, you know, Parga and them, they come from Mexico, you know, and that was the, the start of the mixing of, you know, uh, WCW, uh, I believe, started there, you know, bringing different, you know, wrestlers from different countries. So, you know, those are the things that, yes, you know, definitely, you know, those are, you know, and I'm, oh yeah, and, you know, thankful 
uh, I'm grateful for that uh, opportunity also that I had with, you know, as Ming running, you know, on WCW after, you know, being Haku, uh, you know, King Haku and in WWF. So, you know, those are the, yes, you know, that, you know, like Mysterio and Chris Jericho and, you know, uh, Norman Smiley. You know, this is our crew, you know, Eddie Guerrero and, um, that we were in um, Mexico together, you know. So when I guess I was <laughs> the oldest in the way, you know, next generation there. So yeah, there was uh, uh, the, the guys that, you know, we, we were in Mexico together and then we come in to WCW together there. So those, yes, it was great, you know, and, you know, and I'm thankful that yeah. we all had that uh, opportunity there. And, you know, of course, with those guys, you know, they were together, you know, they they were like brothers, you know. Yeah. With, uh, Jericho and, you know, yeah, those guys, you know, stick together. And, you know, Malingo, you know, they were Benoit. Those, yeah, those are the guys. And then, you know, when I came back and to them, and, uh, you know, WWE then, those guys were champion and they, they were up there, you know, on top. You know, Jericho, who's uh, going over, of course, you know, with uh, Benoit and um, Eddie and all of them. They did well, all of them. Yeah, the stereo, all of them did well. And I'm you know, so happy for them, and still is. Miss yeah. Eddie and Benoit, you know, those are the, you know, those guys, you know, I just wonder what happened, you know, if I was around, you know, would I help them, you know, would I, you know, I don't know. But uh, I'm glad, I was happy that they were up there on top. And still on top. Yeah, still on top without a doubt. But when you got to back to the WWF in 2001, a lot of people don't remember the fact that that was such a shock that you had just won the WCW Hardcore title and then a week later you're at the Royal Rumble. Such a huge surprise. And as an old school WWF fan, obviously we love to see you back as Haku. So that was really cool. But I think a lot of people forgot that was kind of one of the last, you know, I would say shots that WCW had left that they lost you. As the hardcore champion, I think that was one of the uh, the final blows that led to the uh, the real end of WCW because that was that was a huge shock back when you debuted redebuted at the Royal Rumble in two thousand one. Yeah, it was <laughs> you hit myself when they called me. But you know, if you sit back and analyze everything, you know how they work. You know, I'm sure there's. Uh, um, I was surprised that, you know, the belt, the hardcore belt, that I got because, you know, they didn't want, it was, I was running about, what, a month or two? Two, two months already with no contract. They didn't want to renew my contract. So, think about it. All of a sudden, you know, they gave me the belt, hardcore belt. 
and then WWF called. But being in old school, I sent back the uh, the bell. We thought the uh, the barbarian, you know, my brother, Jimmy Bailahi, that I, you know, wanted him to have a job or a contract. So I gave him the ball to take it back to them because I was with Harley Race at the time, both of us. And, you know, I was going from Harley Race to the uh, WWE, you know, for that surprise. It is crazy that they wouldn't give you a contract, but they gave you the belt. I mean, it's kind of foolish, almost uh, on, on their part. They either, either you know, it's one or the other, or you know, you, you gotta you gotta give them uh, a contract and then give them the belt. Right. So let's try to figure it out. How did it happen? And WWF called. You know. <laughs> You know, old school, I'm sitting the door back, trying to get my brother barbarian to a job. And I believe that's why I have a short run with WWE. Absolutely. And then you team with Rikishi, fought Undertaker and Kane, and obviously you left again. But as we... We start to wind it down a bit here. I just had to ask because I, I know you literally worked everywhere from Florida to Japan to many different places in Japan, Mexico, WCW, WWF. I mean, Montreal, Canada. I mean, you literally you've wrestled everywhere. It seems like for whatever weird reason, you may have wrestled Tenru in almost every promotion, whether it was all Japan, SWS, uh, WWF, you wrestled in, but yeah, is, is he one of your favorite opponents, or do you have some favorite opponents that you've had and, and some favorite event matches? Because it's funny that he seems to have, or you seem to have followed him almost everywhere. Well, you know, that's the, uh, the Japanese. We both came from sumo. And, you know, pro wrestling started by a sumo wrestler. And that's how, you know, that I always tell my children to look at the flag of Japan is that red, round thing there. And I always said, you know, everything is going around. What goes around comes around. But, and that's what, you know, with Tenru, he was a big brother from Sumo and all the way to the end of his career. You know, he was always my big brother. And wherever he goes, I was there, you know, and in Japan when he started the SWS and he came to Vince, looked for help. And, you know, at the time I was with Vince for, I gave my notice, you know, for a year by then, but he keeps saying to me, for some reason, my Vince McMahon keeps saying to me, Tom, just wait, you know, just wait. You know, don't go yet, you know, there's, there'll be something coming and, you know. So we waited and waited and all of a sudden, Tim will show up. And, and there was, you know, I'll say goodbye 
with WWF. But, you know, Ring said, you know, go whenever you're done with SWS and come back over here. Yeah. So that was the, uh, the thing. But with Tenryu, yes. I respect him. You know, he was uh, what we call in Sumo Sekitori. You know, he's top on top there, you know, fighting the, the, the grand champion and everything. And, you know, I've known them from there. And their stable was just about, you know, 500 yards from us. Uh, sometime we call it the Keiko. You know, we go to their place and wrestle them, you know, in their place. They don't come to us because we were under, you know, we didn't have the top players like they do, so we go to them. But I was respect. So since then with Kendra was always, you know, uh, he always take care of the young boys. That's what it is. You know, that's how they look, you know, they always, no matter what, you know, he was always there for me. And I feel like with, with you and a couple of years ago with obviously your sons, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, and you kind of came and helped them out with the Bullet Club, I feel like you were kind of paying it forward a bit and even, you know, paying a little bit respect, you know, of their part, they were paying stuff to you of showing how popular you were in Japan. So was that a cool moment, teaming with the sons and being a part of the Bullet Club, uh, albeit for a short while? Yes. Yeah, we all said, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, you always, I always try to give that and honor, you know, the Japanese, what they have done for me. And honor, you know, of course, Lynch and, you know, the crew there. And, you know, I, I will say, you know, with all the promoters, they gave me a job. I honor them, you know. But, you know, with Japan, yes. Is, is very well said there, like you said, is um, showing them, you know, my respect, my thankful, my grateful, you know, uh, you know, with, uh, and, you know, the, um, we've been, with New Japan, we've been in uh, New Zealand together, and, um, you know, of course, Japan, um, yes, it's, um, yeah, is that I hope my boys understand that. You know, with the new generation, I'm not too sure, you know, sometimes if they understand, <laughs> you know, and, you know, that part of, of you know, it's life, you know, I guess to me, you know, it's from my heart, it's my life, you know, to give back. It's my life to show them the way and, you know, I hope they understand that, you know, because Japan, you know, with our relationship and, you know, they have the, uh, you know, the chance to go there. And, you know, now with the youngest boy that I like very much in the uh, dojo, you know, like I did, it's, you know, the dojo in Japan is, is a great thing. Because they teach you how to be a wrestler and how to be a, you know, take care of yourself. You know, if to cook, you know, you cook. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> what they call jungle nappe, of course, is sumo. 
and there are now my youngest boys you know how to cook tangonak. So they come home and you know cook it from us with the family, you know, trying to impress us. And you know, he did. He did a good job and you know I I'm glad. I'm, I like that. That's what I, I you know, I'm trying to show the older you know, the Tangaloa and Tama. You know, the spirit of a samurai, the spirit of the Japanese is unbelievable. We've got to interview both of them in the past, and you know, obviously, they speak so highly of you, and they they looked up to you their whole lives, and it's uh, it's very cool to bring it full circle and have you on uh, after speaking with them. It's been a few years since we spoke with them, uh, but still, it's it's great to hear that uh, coming from you specifically. But before we get into the final plug here for PCW Ultra's Opposites Attack event on June eighth. We, the way we like to end it is we like to kind of get your legacy, what's left on the business. But with you, it, it's not just a legacy. It, it's so much more. You've done so much in, in the wrestling business. You've done so much for the wrestling business. But also the, the connection to the Samoan dynasty and also the, the Tongan legacy that you've got. What do you want fans to remember about Haku? Do you want them to remember you as the toughest guy to ever be in the business? Do you want them to see your sons coming through the ranks of wrestling and, and see what you've done in your career through them now? What do you want fans to remember about Haku or Mang or King Haku or King Tonga? What do you want us to remember at the end of the day? <laughs> I think at the end of the day is remembering... Um, not a tough guy, but remember what I've done for the business. You know, um, a family, togetherness as family, just like the Samoan dynasty. They respect for families and appreciate the fans. You know, uh, without them, we won't be around or, you know, sit here and talk with you on on uh, radio here. But, you know, it, I like to be remember, you know, that I did good for the business. Uh, something, you know, and the new generation to learn something. Well, not, not as a tough guy. But if, uh, as a family, a, a wrestler with respect. A wrestler that, uh, you know, done a lot for the business and i think you might get a kick out of this a few weeks ago we were with the barbarian at a show here in virginia and uh we were looking at a picture of the two of you and he said how come nobody ever wanted to test me and they always wanted to test him i never understood that so i gotta ask you that why did nobody ever want to test the barbarian why did they always come after you well right because you know you know how what they say about the, the quiet guys, right? <laughs> they are the tough ones. <laughs> and I'm the noisy one trying, you know, you know, to kick door and open door for our team to get somewhere, you know. So, you know, you know and I'm thankful. You know, if there's somebody there so graceful is Bob Aaron. But what's up when you get <laughs> you know, it's one of those guys. You know, Barber and a hell of a nice guy. Good people. You know, like I said, he's very grateful. But then, you know, he'll just show you things that will walk by him. 
But uh, that's barbarian. You know, it's very, you know, and I'm, you know, that's how our team was, you know. You know, whisper to me something, you know, whatever he wants, and, you know, when we talk or whatever, or he'll tell me, you know, can we go out and talk, and then we come back. That's how he is. Very nice. You know, very graceful. But <laughs> he's a tough one to deal with when he gets mad. <laughs> but, um, that's great that's great now now Meg, as we wrap it up here we got to bring it back to pcw ultra and on june 8th opposites attack is coming to wilmington california featuring a night of amazing wrestling matches featuring the stars of pcw ultra including the pcw championship match featuring penta versus sammy callahan you got tessa blanchard versus rachel ellering shane strickland versus dragon lee and all of the other great superstars of PCW Ultra in action. So before we wrap it up here, one more time, PCW Ultra, June 8th. Meng, what are you looking forward to, and what are your final thoughts on Opposites Attack? Looking forward to see everything that's going on with PCW Ultra. You know, after all these years that, you know, Joe is trying to build up, you know, this dynasty, you know, I'm grateful. And I'm looking forward to be part of it this coming, you know, uh, Friday. Uh, it's very exciting to me, and you know, uh, I'm ready. Uh, Whoever is put in front of me, I'm, I'm coming, you know, to show them a little bit of my ability. <laughs> but uh, looking forward for PCW Archer this coming Friday. Oh, it's going to be awesome. We thank you so much for coming, and in honor of having you on the show. The next person that comes to my door is getting a Tongan death grip, and it's going to be courtesy of this chat here with Meng. So appreciate it, and we uh, we thank you so much for going into such detail tonight. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you all. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.